0: Episode number forty-eight of the Spirit Leadership Podcast. I have Mr. Butch Cobb from the Jersey City Fire Department, I'm retired from the Jersey City Fire Department. And uh, what I've learned was just previously just before we started, he also is in plays in a bagpipe band and had a great joke about drummers and pipers. Butch, sir, Chief, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Please give everybody a quick uh, introduction to who you are and where you're from. And maybe even you could, you know, anyone out there is a bagpiper or a drama
1: <laughs> one, Maybe they'll be able to enjoy your joke as well. <laughs> well I, I spent 34 years in the Jersey City Fire Department, I retired in 2009. Um, before that, I was uh, a volunteer in Dumont, New Jersey, in Engine One, I was a the chief there in 70. 70- Hmm, let me just think, 78, I think. Moved up to West Milford, New Jersey. Uh, lived up there for 32 years, uh, was in Company 4. Was a the chief there, I think, in 87, somewhere around there. Um, retired as deputy chief in Jersey City. Um, was chief of training for a while. And uh, shortly after I retired, my wife retired as a school teacher. Um, actually, she was the head of the gifted and talented program for our, for our district. I married a very intelligent uh, woman to make sure our kids grew up smart and <laughs> didn't listen to, to me. <laughs>
0: you got to invest in that. I, I do I the same thing, give my kid a chance. I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead. I yeah,
1: yeah. So uh, um, moved to Goodyear, Arizona um, to uh, 2013 or 2014 because I had two grandkids out there. We were flying back and forth and uh, been there for 13 years now. And my daughter has three grandchildren. And my son was a little bit slow getting started. and He had a, a, a granddaughter about five years ago, who I'm visiting uh, um, this week. So that, that's pretty much it. I had a training company for a number of years. Started in the early 90s with Pete Greasy and Leonard Rubicki. Built it from the three of us. Uh, we did a couple programs where we had 12, 13 um, firefighters and officers from around the country helping us out. Um, and did a lot of traveling around the country training. Um, one of the, two of the things I'm, I'm very proud that my, myself and, and, uh, and my guys did was we, uh, after the six firemen died in Worcester at the Cold storage building, we, we did six seminars, uh, in a row, one year for each of the firemen up there and all the proceeds went to the, uh, the wives and, and, and kids. And then, uh, the other thing that we did, um, was Charleston. Uh, Nicky Giordano from sq 3 in the Bronx, who was retired, but his son was a firefighter um, there, and uh, we went down. We did the same thing. We uh, we did a, a, a two and a half day seminar and gave all the money to the the wives and kids. So they were the two really highlights of of, of my career and uh, you know and the brotherhood. Because every instructor I I invited to both of those venues came for, for nothing. I just asked them and said, "Listen, this is what we want to do," and it was yes, 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 yes. So Cool. anyway, so that's it. Uh, um, my whole career is kind of based on training.
0: No, no. I mean, definitely. That's, I mean, that's a very uh, admirable thing that you guys did. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people try to do their part and find a way to um, give back or be a part of things like that. And, you know, I think that that's a great way to do it. I, I, I personally um, wouldn't yeah. know how to do that as far as, uh, you know, a tra- tragedy and, and then, you know, a way to give back. So, I mean, that's very, very admirable the way you did that. And, and, I th- and I'm sure they appreciate that. Um, so what I wanted to start with today was you made it all the way up to deputy chief. So you've been firefighter, driver, company level officer all the way through. <clears throat> and one thing that I kind of see a lot of, and just from my personal experience of being a company officer, being a firefighter, you know, having friends that are my rank, seeing guys transition. And, and I focus heavy, heavy on transitioning from a firefighter to an officer. Cause that's, that's tough. You, you know what I mean? Like yeah. people go out, they read books, they take training classes, they do all these things and all those things are great. And all those things are going to help you along the way, but books, classes, and all that are built and put together by other people's experiences. Right. Your experience is, un- is unknown your, or the individual, excuse me, the individual's experience is un, unknown because it hasn't happened yet. It's in the future. You don't know what's coming. You don't know what you're going to yeah. experience. You don't know what's coming, you know, what fires you're going to run. If you're going to run fires, all those things, that's the future. You can't predict that. So learning from other people's experiences are really, really good. However, I think what's missed a lot is, you know, I could read a book. I could take a class, I could go to one of your one of your classes, and all those things are really good because those are all the things that you learned and you're like, man, I wish I knew that. I think it's up to the individual, and this is why I harp heavily on a lot of this on my show and just when I talk to guys in general or you know, people come to me, is being able to interpret that and how that plugs into your experience and how to use that. Because if you don't, I guess, in the moment of the experience that you don't, you or your new experience that you're coming up on knowing in that you read that book whatever that book is and that lesson of that book and you being able to recognize this is what the book was talking about here's my execution i think that's something that can i don't want to say get missed but i think you know you could have all the tools and knowledge in the world if your execution in the moment isn't correct the scenario may work out great and it may not so that's kind of what i was getting at here with 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 a lot of this um yeah i mean what do you think about that talk to me about some of your experiences when you were a new officer i know there's got to be crazy stuff out there and you know you probably i mean i don't know a lot about jersey city um i know it's kind of a rough area uh so i mean i'm sure they're busy that should be right by new york city i believe should be right yeah
1: well right right across the river from new york city uh in their shadow um i always when i'm on the road I always kid people and say uh one of our closest mutual aid companies has has uh, twelve thousand firemen, and they all look like, laugh. And you know, what do you mean? Said, well, we're attached to New York City by uh, two subways and and two tunnels. Um, but uh, it kind of is a joke. But you know, getting back to what what you were saying, I I, did, I learned a lot of things. I saw a lot of things. Some of them I threw away right away. I mean, we just you see some ridiculous things out there. But but a lot of the things I learned um, were, were like kind of like the first brick in the wall. Um, you learned it from somebody else. You read it, but now how do you translate that to now? You become a company officer or, 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 or a chief. How do you translate that to where you're working? And that that was that's a challenge. Um, you know, learned a lot from the New York City guys, I man. I could drop names all day because being the at uh, uh, the training coordinator for Firehouse, I was working with all the uh, superstars back then, the John Normans, John Salka, Firehouse uh,
0: Magazine. You're talking, yeah,
1: Firehouse about Magazine, yeah, yeah. So. But bringing it back to my department, that that was the challenge. Um, knowing my guys, um, knowing what they can do, knowing what our manpower was, knowing knowing the buildings we go to, and and then try to try to bring what I learned that was successful. I never I would never teach anything that wasn't successful. Several times by other departments um, that they come to me and say, "Yeah, this worked," and I learned. But um, you know, what, one of the one of the key things. Um, for me, I don't want to get off track because it's a great question, but when I became a company officer, and it's one of the things that I learned from some, from some of the, the uh, uh, very successful fire officers, when I get to my company, um, I went in there with the attitude that I didn't know everything. And the four guys, five guys I had in my company, they didn't know everything. And what I wanted to know was I wanted them to tell me um, either one-on-one or just in the, in the uh, coffee table conversations, What do you know? How do you do the things in this area? Because Jersey City was four battalions, and we have areas kind of like New York City. We have the south end that's called Greenville. We have uh, the Heights section up the north. So, you know, when I first became a company officer, I took what I learned from other people saying, find out what, what these guys know, guys and girls. Find out what they know. You don't know everything going in there. I mean, obviously, you took the test. And testing, the assessment center testing that New Jersey does, it's good, but it doesn't, to me, it doesn't really qualify you. I mean, you could do good on a test, but it doesn't mean that you know the job and can do the job, but that's for another time. So, you know, go into a company, find out what they know, um, pick the things that they know better than you do. I mean, you know, I always tell the story about when I went to Rescue One, I had a guy work for me, Lenny Rubicki. Uh, we gave him a nickname called the Saw. Because Lenny Lenny knew more about cutting roofs than anybody in the company, and, and we learned from him. But you know, you're not once you get to that company, you're not all all knowing. You're not you're not the answer to everything. Those four or five guys, the three depending on your department, um, they'll know something, and you have to learn that something. Uh, you know, and that's what I think makes makes a good team. But uh, um, you know, I, I read probably every book out there because when you took a test in New Jersey, you know, this book list would come out. And it was John Norman. It was uh, Chief Alan Brunicini, uh, You know, incident command. So all these books were out there, and I could I could cite chapter and verse. But a lot of things that I learned from those books wasn't going to work in Jersey City. It just it just wasn't. You know, we we were good at what we were doing. Um, you know, we had uh, we had a pretty good incident command, although we didn't call it that. Um, we always had two chiefs at every fire. Um, if it was a working fire, we got a third chief. One chief is always inside. Um, We were really good about knowing where our people were. And uh, um, so some of the things just didn't transition from the books. Uh, A lot of it was based on um, the knowledge I had at Jersey City and and how we went about, um, you know, our system. You know, I'll I'll give you an example. Uh, Every book that I was reading before the assessment center for Captain, um, there was a lot about doing a 360, do a 360. Don't do anything until the—well— not possible in Jersey City we have we had rows of buildings 10 15 uh 18 three story frames in a row 12 two story frames in a row um stores rows and rows of stores, so that that just wasn't possible and you know we found ways by saying you know the first company to the roof look over the back or, or whoever goes into the exposure try to get to the back and give us a report so that was kind of a a 360 was 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 not immediate we didn't we didn't stop or we didn't start operations. Without seeing uh, the back, so I learned about it in the book because when I went to the assessment center, you had to know that you had to say that, but that didn't transition uh, to to going to a fire in Jersey City. So it was it was just uh, you know when you when you're seeing this knowledge that's out there and and you and you, you try to transition that back to your, to your own department, it, it was hard, but uh, it became a little easier. You go up in rank, you can make some 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 changes. Um, but it was always, uh, you know, what I tried to do, whenever we wanted to make a change, it wasn't from one person. It was what I called a project team. It was never, you know, I decided not to use that word committee anymore. And I learned that from uh, two real sharp uh, deputy chiefs in uh, L.A. County, uh, Mike Bryant and uh, Johnny Tripp. Um, they had project teams, and that's what we started doing. Every time we wanted to make a change, we get get guys together, and we'd go over what we wanted to change. Did it work? Did it not work? Um and uh you know some things some things we brought back worked some things we brought to the, to the line and it didn't work and we just okay scrap that so uh you know training is uh is uh training from or uh, trying to train people from from your knowledge from other experts in the field is not an easy task uh so uh yeah, we're just, uh, I was just—I was fortunate that I always worked with good guys, and and I came from a fire department that was always open to change, if it was changed for the good, if it was if it made things easier, if it made us more proficient, if it if it got us to a fire faster, if it got us in the building faster, you know. So I, I was fortunate with that. Uh, you know, I traveled around the country, and, and there were some some departments just that they they couldn't do anything unless the fire chief said to do it, or if the fire chief said do it. You did it, no questions asked, and I, I hated that. That was, uh, um, you know, and you know the other part about my travels, and I didn't mention it at the beginning, but when I when I retired from Jersey City, um, I got a job with a company called ISO, the Insurance Services Office. I don't know if you're familiar with that. They grade probably ninety ninety five percent of the fire departments across the country. Sure. And. I became the uh, the second year. I became the national director. I I went to just about every single state and talked w- with with fire chiefs, with uh, company officers, with firemen. I go to firehouses and, and try to get uh, you know their feeling as to, to to what I was doing with ISO. But um, again, I had I had books and books full of notes I used to take because everybody. Uh, you know, there's ideas out there, and the good ideas shouldn't stay with a small department. You know, um, you, you need you need ways to to get that out. Write it in a magazine, or yeah, uh, put your hand up in the class, and and you know, I still I still go. I went to the FDIC last year. I'm trying to cut back on going to conferences. Uh, I, I want to put more time and effort into you know my grandkids and my family now. But I still go to two or three conferences last year. I Went to the FDIC. Had a class, and I did exactly what I did all the time. I'm 75. I'm a little over 75 years old now. I've been around the fire service for, uh, oh my gosh, probably 60 years. But um, I take a notebook. I sit in the back of a class. I walk in. You know, I, I, I read about the class. And if it's a young guy and it sounds like, well, you know, this, this is interesting, I sit in the back. I take notes. I write down the things that I, that I like about it. And, uh, um, you know, it's kind of a learning experience still at, at my age. And, um, you, know, you know, my, my, a common joke is if you're a young guy and you're giving a really good class, and I write down a couple things that you say. Um, my next two classes that I give, I'll use that and I'll quote you and I'll say, "Yeah, you know, I heard this." But after the after the third time, I don't use your name anymore; it's mine. <laughs> so, and I, I mean that as a joke, but yeah,
0: no, yeah. no, no, that, that's that's actually pretty funny. So, I mean, there's a lot in what you just said. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, lot, I re- I No, no, it. no, no. It's, it's, it's good. It's good. And, and there's there's a couple of things that you really, I mean, overall, like a broad stroke of the brush, um, you, you were mentioning the books and how they don't work for New Jersey, or they didn't work for Jersey City. And I think that's something I want to stop and talk about. For, there's a few things I want to talk about, but the first thing I want to talk about is that. And that is because of, and correct me if I'm wrong, your rooted experience of knowing what will work, what will not work from running calls in the field, pulling lines, laying out, throwing ladders, walking on roofs, cutting roofs, forcing door, like everything in the field. Because that's what I was talking about earlier about what your experiences are and what you're going to read may be different. So if you don't go out and you're a company officer and you're now in charge of a few guys and you're going to go put out fires and you have no idea what you're doing, any book on tactics are great. I mean, they're going to teach you this, that, and the other, but your instincts won't be built unless you go and do it. You could read a book about forceful entry and that's great. And the book could be probably very well written by someone who's really intelligent. But if you don't know how to do that or you've never done it and you really think reading that book one time is going to make it, make you ready to step up to the plate and take a swing, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So I want, so that, that was the first part. Um. And that kind of ties into as well with, with leadership, um, leadership at the company level as, an officer, as a company officer, walking in, setting the example, setting the tone, walking in, establishing your non-negotiables, establishing, you know, your, yourself as a leader. You know, the books are great. All these things are very valuable tools, but the execution is on you and it will always be on you and it's not going to be fun at first, it may not be, you know, it may not be that bad, but, um, <clears throat> that, that break in period, I guess, is a, as a good way to say it. that break in period, the books, um, your, should be your tools, like in your books should be helping you get better, but you have to have that foundational experience of knowing, look, I'm an officer now and it, my job is different. However, you know, I'm gonna figure that stuff in the firehouse out. We're gonna figure out the leadership stuff first. But I know as a firefighter, I wanted X, Y, and Z for my officers. I hated A, B, and C from my these officers. I will not do A, B, and C. I'm gonna go knock out X, Y, and Z because I know that's what I wanted. Yeah. I know what worked for me. Fighting fires every day. Well, hopefully every day. Not everybody gets to do that. <laughs> Running call. We'll just say yeah, I, yeah. I say that in jest, but every day The experiences, because there's all those things that won't be in books. There's all these experiences that it doesn't matter where you work and who you are. You're going to know exactly what it's like, right? So it's probably, it may or may not be in a book somewhere, but most likely in a book, you're not going to walk in having five guys on your shift that are fantastic. And that six person's a piece of shit. They're going to do everything they can to make you look like an idiot because they don't like you on as a personal level and what that feels like, how that is created. You're probably not going to find in a book what it feels like when you show up on a fire, you do everything you think is right, the fire goes out. Not that the fire going out is a metric of success. I'm just saying, you know, the fire, the fire went out, your, your line or, you know, your job and your assignment was done correctly. However, because somebody else's interpretation of what, ha- what a fire ground should be ran by and how it should be ran, you're still wrong and they're going to crush you and they're going to do it in front of other people. There's no books that talk about what that feels like. These are all things that, you know, 36 hours in a firehouse, you're in your 30th hour, you're exhausted. You know, you did the back 12, you're in the middle of your 24 and you and your wife are fighting. She's pissing you off, whatever, your spouse, whatever. And you run that call and you're just at the edge of your, you're just on, you're on your last freaking nerves over something that's probably stupid when you look at it the next day and, you know, you have some rest, what that feels like. You know, there's not a lot of things that talk about just as nuances of the fire department of, you know, how people interact at shift change and shifts interacting with each other and your interaction with others. And then what it feels, you know, when your, your ripples come back to you of how you used to act in the past and the things you used to do and your, your habits and, and, and your, your good things and your bad things yet. Everybody never really seems to remember the good things, but when your reputation circles right back to you and that starts affecting you because you know, 10 years ago, you're an idiot. You did stupid stuff, but we're 10 years later, you're a company officer. You want to do the right thing, but they always remember the things from the past.
1: Oh yeah. That's the easiest.
0: (laughs) That's all, boy, what I'm getting at is those are all big. That's one gigantic stroke of the brush of everything that you're not going to find in books or specifically the, the physical feel of what that feels like inside your brain, your emotional response, your ego response, your whatever response, your, psychological response. I mean, that's not stuff that they talk about. You look in the books and the people are going to talk about how to lead people. These are the examples. This is what to do. I have a book right here by Frank Fiscuso. Step up your teamwork. Very, very well-written book. This book was one of the uh, books for uh, my last promotional exam for the captain's test that I did not pass. (laughs) by the skin of my teeth, but you know, whatever. I'll take the next one. No big deal. But anyway, the point that I'm making is there's all these things that are really, really good. And they're very, very, they're very good. There's, there's a ton of knowledge, a ton of experience and things in here. But what happens when these lessons that I try to execute on my shift with people doesn't work? It's not the material in the book. It's the execution and the human interaction of the people. Right? So, I mean, there's a lot to it, man. There, re- there really is. But the whole point of what I'm getting at is it all comes down to your execution as the officer. And I guess the biggest thing I wanted to talk t- about today was, you know, you did uh, – were you a lieutenant?
1: I can't remember if you said that or not. No, I, know you're they had done th- I was on a lieutenant's list when I did away with the lieutenant. So you're, Okay, so you, you're, yeah, never, never level,
0: left. you're, you're um, entry level as a, as a captain. company officer would be, would be yeah. a captain. So, you know, you firefighter, driver, captain, uh, battalion chief, assistant chief, deputy chief? Deputy chief. Deputy chief.
1: I was chief of operations for uh, about a year and a half. Okay. Um, I, I didn't, I wasn't
0: sure. That's, I was, yeah. at, I was the rank structure. Um, so, <laughs> when you're a company officer and you're new and, and you're trying to become that reliable company, what are some of the things, and I want to tap into your time as a battalion chief, you know. For conversation's sake, you have five stations in your battalion on your shift. What are some of the things that you look for from your company officer if you, do, if you were to say, Hey, Mike's here. Mike's a new guy in my battalion. I know Mike for a few years. He had some good stuff, he had some bad stuff, but now he's the officer. What are some of your expectations? And specifically, what would you do if, if that officer in that company didn't quite meet it and you could tell it is because of the inexperience of the company officer? Does that make sense what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I. But you know what? For me, I was very fortunate. Um, I guess I call it fortunate. I didn't become a company officer for a long time. I got on at seventy-five. Um, I didn't get promoted till uh, um, eighty-nine. So that—that's a long period of being a fireman. Now, part of it was we went six years um, without a promotional exam that was okayed by the. Uh, by the federal government, because Jersey City was a consent decree city. So we had, we had two tests that got thrown out. Took a test, um, got thrown out two or three years later, another test got thrown out two or three years later. So there was a gap where it wasn't so much I didn't want to take a test, uh, but there was none that, that, that qualified to promote anybody. But, but with that said though, I waited a long time. Um, when I came back from Vietnam and I, and I got into the army, I found that New Jersey gives the veterans um, absolute um, preference, which means when I took the test, uh, all I had to do was get a 70 and, go, and I'd go to the top of the list. So it,
0: it, Because it, of the veterans.
1: Yeah, because the veterans sat it. Yeah, one of a few states that do that, which is pretty good. Yeah. Well, for me, it was really good. But, yeah. but you know, what? At, at the time, there were a lot of guys coming back from Vietnam. So we had uh, my probie classes, 55 or 60 uh, guys. Probably uh, 90% of them were veterans. But anyway... Uh, getting back, so when I made captain, I already had, um, you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen years on the job, yeah. and I sort of, not that I worked on my reputation, I just sort of got a reputation because I worked in busy places. I loved the job. I loved, and I and I was just fortunate um, that most of the guys I work with um, like doing the same thing. We were all we always we almost had like an inner competition you Know and uh, whose turn is it on, on the nozzle? Uh, now dr- we're supposed to rotate drivers in Jersey City, but a lot of the companies I went to, there was someone that liked to drive. Hey, listen, go ahead, and drive. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we all learned it, we all took you know on a vacation, to, but uh, so I was fortunate. And by the time I got to battalion chief, I went down to the second battalion on Group C, which I wanted to go down uh, to a battalion um, in the south end of the city because that was. That was kind of our uh, uh South Bronx, um the south end of the city. So when I got down there, there, there weren't any young captains. They were all they all had been captains for, for a while. Um some as long as me and didn't pass the baton. she says or didn't take it. So when I got down there, um they were they were pretty well set in their ways. And uh um I didn't have you know, there was never any there was never any uh um there's never a point at any time where I thought that this, this captain needed to be trained. And 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 again, everybody that worked down there, with, you can bid down there. Um, we had a system where every year the bids would come out and it'd be open slots and you got a point for every year you were on a job. So all the guys that were working down there at the time um, had been around a while and they were down there for, for the simple reason, the busiest companies in the city were down there. That, that's, you know, if you wanted to go to fire, that's where you, you bid to. You went to the south end of the city. So I was so fortunate that I had veteran captains who had been down here a long time, mostly veteran firemen. We didn't start getting new firemen for for a while. Um, and I just didn't run, run into any, uh, you know, when I became a battalion chief, I, just got the, I got the captains all together. And I said, listen, training, every day that we're working, I want to hear you about training at least once, if not twice. And we had some mandatory training. We had to do, uh, in the morning, we had to do what was called la- ladder practice. Where an engine and a ladder got together, they threw ladders, brought some lines up. Um, the, the, the engine crew would put the ladders up and the truck crew would grab lines. So, but it, w- it was the other stuff that I wanted. I wanted we had lots of vacant buildings. Um, There's a good friend of mine that uh, got promoted with me, Mike Terpak, at one time he said to me, we had like 12,000 vacant buildings in Jersey City. So they were like training spots. Um, we used to get a list from the uh, building department of the buildings that the city took over. They owned, they were going to knock down and we could do anything we wanted. So really my, uh, uh, my, my, my thing to them was, you on, I had to hear you on the radio every day, our training, something, whatever it was. And I drive around, I would just stop by, d- just take a look. Hey Cap, what are you doing? Um, but that was, now that might have been different than the chief than the battalion chief that was there before me who retired He was a uh uh you know an an, an older guy and I'm not sure if, if that's what they did but I didn't ask I didn't you know I don't I don't care what they did in the past going into the future this is what you had to do they had to be training You had to, and, and training for, for for what we do mostly fires go to a vacant two and a half story frame um get a line to the attic um you know, whatever they did was fine with me, as long as they were doing hands-on training. And for the most part, they stayed on duty. They they could just call and say we're gonna be a little delayed. Um, but I told them, you know, if it's not too if it's not taking a lot of equipment off and whatnot, just stay on duty. Um just say you're on the air for training and and uh so that's that's pretty much how I laid the laid the law out when I first got there. And uh, it worked pretty well. And yeah, we had we had some good fires, we had some uh um, some that didn 't go well, and we always talked about it and tried to uh uh figure out how we could have done it better and uh but for, but again, I was fortunate I had all veteran people down there and uh it it, it made my life easy i mean uh you know we we grew and over time we 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 grew a really good reputation and it wasn 't because of me at that point it was because of them uh they just knew what knew what to do and how to do it and and I, I think what for me, they relied on me to make sure that they got out of the building when they had to. They relied on me to, to call enough help when we needed it. Um, they knew what to do once I got inside the building. They just—they just—they trusted me that I would do the rest from 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 the outside. So it all worked out well. You know, I—I I, I just really I can't come up with any any complaints. Yeah, you know, we had a couple of guys that, that went there that bid there because they oh I'm going to go down to the second battalion and work with these guys. You know. And, I'll get the reputation like these guys. And we knew that kind of coming in and, and, uh, they generally didn't last very long. They generally didn't last very long. And, and I didn't have to do anything about that because, you know, we had this uh, unwritten rule that if, if you weren't doing what you're supposed to be doing, one of the firemen would, would pin a bit sheet to your locker. And that was, yeah, that was the indication, go somewhere else. <laughs> Ooh. The yeah. guys will speak. Yeah, now you know they could complain. They could complain for the union, but most, most because uh, uh, dirty's in very traditional department, very traditional, uh, set in our ways, and, and we stick with what works. But that bid sheet was taped to your locker. You, you had better to fill it out.
0: <laughs> Do you think goes- there's any coming back once you get that bid sheet? Like, let's say, let's say you were a captain, not meet, not really meeting the mark of the guys that are under your command, and let's say you walk in and there's a bid sheet just hanging out. What do you think would happen if one of the guys was like, hey, man, let's all get together in the kitchen. Hey, this is on my locker. Um, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't realize it was like that. and I, I would love for you guys to just lay it on me and give me a chance to
1: fix it. How do you think that would go over? Um, well, on one hand, probably not well, but I have seen some things get fixed. Sure. By, by that. Um you know, there there were a couple things that I said to, to all the captains. I said, I don't want anybody coming into my office complaining. The fireman cannot come into my office to complain about anything. And if a captain comes to me to complain about it, you better have a damn good reason why you couldn't fix it. Yeah. And uh um, you know, there were there were occasions. there were a few things where uh um you know when I was when I was in the it started when I was in a rescue. Uh, if something didn't go right, I'd get on the house speaker and say, team meeting in the kitchen, five minutes. And if I had a team meeting, it means I only had a team meeting if something went wrong. And we had, we had to fix it immediately. And I brought that down, down with me. If, 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 if you had a problem with your company, settle it. If, you came, if once you walked in my door and said, listen, chief, I got a problem, um it, it better be something that that can't be fixed by you. because um, once it, it just to me, if you come in my office it's serious. And I had a guy, I had a I had a fireman come in and, and asked me to change something on his vacation schedule. And I said, you talk to the captain? And he said, No. I said, All right, I said, Yeah, go, go downstairs and get a cup of coffee. I'll i i talk to you in a few minutes. And I grabbed I brought the captain in and he didn't know it had happened. And you know and the captain said to me, This will never happen again. Yeah. And and it didn't. And this is one of the guys that, that eventually got a uh, bit sheet on his locker door. <laughs> you
0: know, that doesn't surprise me. you, know, it's, you actually bring up something really, really uh, interesting that I didn't even think about. But like, that's something else that is uh, the reality of the fire department is, you know, you could be doing everything right, and you may you may not be the problem. It might just be the other dude. I mean, yeah. quite frankly, and being able to understand that and know that like. You know, I have a battalion chief, right? So I I work in a large metropolitan department in the D.C. metropolitan area. And uh, the battalion that I work in has a few few firehouses, one for the battalion chief, uh, seven battalions. And, uh, you know, when I go to the—if I go to the battalion chief for anything, I've already tried to find the answer myself. I can't find it myself after talking to one of the guys that I work with. You know what I mean? Kind of— I don't consult them for everything, but if it's something that I feel like they may know or maybe, you know, there's things that you know as well as I do that stay at the officer level. You just, you you don't have to tell the guys everything. It just stays at your level. So, you know, I try to figure out at the firehouse, I try to figure it out on my own, right? Whether I consult one of them. If I can't find that, then I go to a peer. It appears typically somebody that is close in rank, if not one rank above me, and that's not for any particular reason. It's just, you know the guys I you know my, my mentors are probably are, are always usually a rank above me, um, just by circumstance more than anything. But anyway. And then if I can't find that, I can't figure it out. Then I'll go to the battalion chief and I'll say, "Hey, I'm trying to find the answer for this. This is everything that I've done. I've had no luck. I need your help." And this is everything I've done so far. This is where I've looked or yeah. I've tried X, Y, A, B, and C. I've tried A, B, and C. It needs to be addressed. I can handle it at my level. You need One, you need to know about it, first of all. And two, I, I need your help. I, I'm not sure what to do. And I've had a lot of success with that. And, yeah. and you know, the battalion chief that I work with, um, you know, I've worked with him for, for quite some time. And, and, you know, I've had a lot of su- success with that. Or if it's something that I know is the battalion chief level, I won't, it's very rare if I go in there saying, I don't know what to do. And I, I, cause I don't like doing that unless I'm just, I need you to come to the fire or I need this right now. And I'll start and I'll say that like, Hey chief, I, I don't know what to do. And I need you to come up here. Right. Now. I've had several situations where I called him and I'm like, Hey, just so you know, cause you need to know about it. Just a heads up. I've got, I've got A, B and C going on. My plan of, my plan of action is this. This is what I've done. I'll let you know if anything changes. And then there's a the couple of the times, hey, do you need me to come up there? No, nah, I think I'm okay. Or yeah, well, why don't you co- go ahead and come on up here? It, you, you need to be here for this. Um, and I've had a lot of success, success with that because I think once you start doing things like that over time, um, you build that rapport. And, and as an officer, especially a new officer, you need to learn how to build, and as a leader really, you need to learn how to build these rapport and relationships with people. And I'm not saying you need to invest and do those things just to get something out of it. But what I can tell you is what it feels like when, you know, you live by that standard that I talked about, kind of that idea, Idea, and then a situation happens where it's going to look really bad. Like if you just listen to the radio on this, about this fire, this fire is going to sound really bad. And what you just did was fairly egregious and may not have been by policy, right? But if you have that relationship with people and time and time again, you're paying into that bank of trustworthiness of how you're handling things. I think the point of why you do that is for when you work and walk into that gray area, there's going to be benefit of the doubt of, "Wait, wait a minute. He didn't really do what he's supposed to, but maybe there's a reason. Why did you do that? Oh, this is why. This is what I had. This was my solution. It's not really what we're supposed to do, but it's going to work in this moment and it's not outside of the lines of what we're allowed to do. It's not egregious, illegal, or moral, any of that crap. So, you know, I think that's important, you know, and I'm sure you probably would like that as at a, at a battalion chief level, even at a deputy chief level, uh, interacting with your battalion chiefs, if you're a shift commander, because ultimately, you know, as a company officer, you're that middle man. You, you know, you're, you're the lowest, le- not lowest level, but you're the most front facing level of the firefighters from management. I mean, you're, you're kind of middle management. You're kind of, I mean, you're not management, but you are management. I mean, you really are management. Um, and, and I think a lot of that's important. Um, you know, cause I, I feel like a lot of these new officers that I've experienced or that I've listened to and I've talked to, you know, I, and even firefighters, really, you see people asking questions in public forums where it's kind of like, well, did you literally take any time to look that up? Because there's a forum that I'm familiar with, and, and I'll leave it at that, um, where I see people asking questions, and it's kind of like, it can take you two seconds to go find that answer in writing. Or if you ask your officer, or a coworker, somebody's going to know that answer, because I knew that answer of me. And I'm not saying I'm a super smart guy, I'm just saying some of the stuff that gets asked are things that are fairly common in the department to where I've seen it or experienced it a couple times. And that's why I know where to go find the answer. But there's also something to be said about also when I was brought up was, you know, that the last person you go to is your officer. You need to ask your coworkers or the senior firefighter or the driver. Don't ever go right to the lieutenant and be like, hey, lieutenant, what, what's this? No, you have other people. And if none of us collectively can figure it out, we go to the officer and he's probably going to help us do it, and we'll still do it collectively as a group anyway. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, what do you think about
1: that? Uh, you know, number one, to me, in, in my experience working in Jersey City, the company offices had to be the, the strongest brick on the wall. Um, you know, I, I have these building blocks that I, I talk about, but to me, they had to be the strongest, because they're taking... They take the first actions, you know, typically in, in Dirty City, the, the battalion chief wouldn't get there first, and certainly not the deputy, he doesn't, it's down the other end of the city, but um, uh, the company officers kind of set the tone, um, and, and there had to be a trust. And I think, I think that's why the, the places that I worked worked so well. There was a trust among, among us. I could trust them for what they were doing. They could trust me for for for, uh, for what I was doing um, outside the building. And uh, um, it, it just, uh, you know, and, and again, in, in my upbringing in, in the Jersey City Fire Department, um, you know, we would talk about problems amongst the guys. We, we always incorporated the officer. I mean, it was just something we always did. We always, there was a problem. We had to sit down, um, even if it was, it was among the three or four or five firemen. We we bring the lieutenant of the captain in um, all the time, but it was never. I never. There was never. A, I don't think there was ever a time in Jersey City where somebody would say to me, "Let's leave the officer out of it. It's just amongst the men, you know. Unless it was something personal, um, you know, yeah. outside the firehouse. But, yeah. but um, on the job, I, I guess I was fortunate in Jersey City. Uh, the companies just ran. Th- there was just a lot of trust, uh, you know, and it, nobody was ever ever afraid to ask a question about something they did or didn't do or the officer was never afraid to say, to ask, Hey, how come you did that? And get the answer. And maybe the answer needed to be tweaked a little bit. Maybe next time you wait 30 seconds for your partner to go with you or, or you know, things, things like that. But it was always, it was always, if there was a problem, it was a group effort. It was a group effort, you know, and, and, and something else you, you talked about about, you know, going to the, to the next rank. Um, I had some unbelievable mentors when I was coming up in Jersey City, um, you know, my first lieutenant was Rick Eggers. Rick Eggers became the chief of department. He was one of the longest running chiefs in Jersey City's history, but he was my lieutenant. And you could almost tell, uh, great firefighter, a great officer, worked on five truck. Um, again, it was kind of like Jersey City's uh, war years. We, we did, did a lot of fires. And, and he was just always good at what he did. And I always kind of looked up to him. And, uh, you know, talked to him as often as I could alone or, or with a group, asked him a lot of questions. And then he became a uh, battalion chief, um, you know, went to a different, uh, different spot, but I could just kind of tell that he was, he was just good at everything. I mean, he could understand people. He was, uh, um, knowledgeable and experienced. I mean, to me, you know, you talk about the book. The books are great. I read all the books because I had to. You couldn't, you couldn't get by on a promotional exam without reading the books. Even if, even if none of that stuff, you know, related to Jersey City, you had to know it because when you went for the test, there were chiefs from all over the, the the state, and you didn't know what they were going to ask you. And, um, but but the the books are good. But you know, to kind of sum that up, I, I did a class uh, at the FDIC two years ago, I think it was, with uh, Johnny Salker, Um We've been friends for for a million years, but the, the class was was uh, it wasn't anti science, it wasn't anti book, but it, w- it was called experience is my science, and that's uh, that's how we presented the class, um, and it was it was kind of like what we're talking about. The book knowledge is great. But how do you transition that to, to, to pulling up in front of a burning building with fire out two or three windows and occupied? And, and, uh, and a lot of that has to do with experience. Uh, you know, that's why I tell a new fireman coming on a job, you know, talk to these older guys. Find out there's so many little nuances, so many little things that, that a senior fireman can tell you that you don't see in the books. I mean, little things. I, I remember uh, the senior fireman at Engine 1, the first company I went to, he was just telling me about the things I, I, I should be ready for. He goes, like, when you have the nozzle, he said, which way do you turn it to get it on fog? Which way do you turn it to get it on a stream? And I couldn't answer that because, like, in training school, if, you know, if you went in with, with the fog and they said, you know, you turned it till it went to straight stream. But he said, you need to know that before you open up the line. You have to know when you grab that nozzle what it's set on. Is it on the fog pattern or is it on a straight stream? Yeah. Um, Little things like that. I mean, you don't you don't read about that in the books. And, uh, um, you know, it, it comes from, I, I call it knowledge base. It, 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 the guys have been there and done that. The guys who have made the mistakes, um, changed it for the better, and can relay that to you. So, you know, like I said, I read every book that was out there because uh, I knew going into the assessment center, that, that you had to know how Alan Bruner City set up the incident command system in, in, in Phoenix. You had to know how... Uh, uh, things that John Norman did. There were always questions from him. There was uh, uh, you know, going back. I guess Clark, the, the guy named Clark, had had a book there. It was a pump up, but you know, you had to know it. Um, that's why I said the assessment center. Um, I've seen a lot of officers get promoted, and, and you know, we used to call, up, "Well, there's a guy who, who slipped through the cracks," um, because he was never a good fireman. But yeah, and and the, and the other thing. Um, I, I think that's changing now is I see a lot of young guys, not just in Jersey City, but in other places, a lot of young guys taking a test and getting promoted. Um, I, I've seen guys uh, be, become captains in Jersey City in four years. And even though I—another an, thing in in, uh, in in New Jersey about veterans, you could take a promotional exam, I think, it was in three years. It was two, two or three years. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you had to wait five years. In New Jersey, you had to wait— but. I never even thought about that. I mean, I knew it, but there's no way I was taking a test for three years. Of, you know, I just. Oh yeah. But that was, you know, my my dad was a fireman. And, um, his uncle was it was in New York City, and those things you kind of just learned through them. You know, get your time in, get your experience, and um, you know, I, I remember uh, trying to think of who it was said to me. You don't want to go. You don't want to get promoted too soon. It was a guy who never got promoted, but he said to me, um, You don't want to get promoted too soon and go into a company and say, Okay, um, tell me what you guys want to do. You know, because, you know, I see that now. I see these kids coming with college degrees and, they, and they, they ace the test and they get promoted. Now, some of them work out, um, but, you know, I've heard stories a guy tell me I got this idiot for for, for a captain that uh, he's been to like three fires and, you know, Three, four years on a job. Three years on a job.
0: Yeah, no, it's actually really funny the way you said that. So that that's something that I've seen a lot, to, or maybe not seen a lot, but experienced um, in a department I am familiar with. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. Where you know, I see that I see somebody promoted, and I mean, I know what it feels like to be a new officer. It sucks. Can't do anything right sometimes, and you know, you want to prove yourself, but you can't control when your time's going to come, right? Kind of like what we talked about earlier. And what I think people miss when they promote super fast and super early, and maybe they don't think about that, or maybe they don't. I mean, I think a lot of people, when they promote, their intentions are good. It's not like they want to, like, you know what? I want to get promoted and be a complete piece of shit. I, I don't really don't think people say that. I think people say, I want to promote and get off this ambulance. I want to promote, get off this medicating. I want to promote for more money
1: there it is, money.
0: <laughs> I want to promote to pad my resume. You know, that, I mean, and, and that's all well and good, but there's been a few times where, you know, I'll see somebody I'll be like, mm, I know you never put a fire. Or you hear people say that. That's more often actually really what it is, is you'll have somebody that's a new officer. You'll see somebody get promoted when a promotional list comes out. And, you know, if you talk to anybody with any time on, they're like, where the hell did he work? That guy's been on the, you know, medic unit and ambulance for X amount of years. I've never seen him put out his turnout gear. on, Like all that kind kindness, like, you know how, you know what I'm saying? Yeah.
1: But yeah, yeah.
0: The biggest thing that I think people need to realize, regardless of what rank you're at, where you're at in your career, you know, this is something that's kind of like came together a little bit for me while you were talking and I was listening to you. Um, you know, you mentioned a lot of really good guys, Brunicini, Salkas, uh, Normans. Yeah you know, the Bobby Eckerts, the, the the Tim Kletts, all these guys all published, well-written, very well-spoken. They carry themselves a very certain way and people flock to them and, and they want to follow them. Andy Fredericks died in 9-11 and people are still studying his books about yep. the engine company and flowing water and all those things, right? Nozzle Forward is a, is a class that uh, if I remember correctly, it was anchored to him and kind of his ideology, and, and they teach nationwide. You taught nationwide. Did you ever notice that people, when they write books, they write their books about experiences and what they've been through? They don't write well. books about other books. So the whole point that I'm I guess the whole point that I was trying to get at with that sentence was you know, your experiences are going to – experiences will always teach you more than a book ever will. A book yeah. is just somebody else's experience in their life. Right. So for me, I like to write down absolutely everything I do. Right. Any fire I go on, I get a picture of the front, the rear, where I position, and exactly what I did, me, the officer, what I did, and how the fire went. Right. Obviously, I, I am nothing without a great crew, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm very blessed to have one. But, <clears throat> you know, my self evaluate, and we do that tailboard hot wash as a crew, you know, and next shift, we'll probably talk about it. But my personal hot wash. You know, I take the pictures and I I save them. And then I always have something written down exactly what we did, what I could have done better and what I think went well. And I have a huge log for that. And those are my experiences. You know, they're not somebody else's. They're not this guy's, that guy's. It it doesn't, you can name anybody. It doesn't matter what their experience are because their experience isn't going to be yours. So books can be the icing on the cake, I think. Yeah, books should be on the 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 shingles of the roof of the house you built. That is your experience and your life in the fire service. But the foundation and walls—the foundation is going to be where you started. The walls are going to be kind of where you're going and how how you do. And you know, the outside, the grass, all those things that make the house look pretty is how you present yourself, carry yourself, your interactions with others, and relationships that you build. And then when you sit back and you look at it. You should have a beautiful home, in my opinion. Maybe that's a little far-fetched of an analogy, but I mean, I don't know. And and I think that's the biggest thing that a lot of people don't realize is, again, I, and I hate to say it again, is the power of being able to understand that you can't learn everything out of a book. Right. Yeah. But on the on the on the flip side of that your personal experiences and the experiences that you're going to have sometimes cannot be enough to where you're gonna have to seek formal education to bring yourself to another level as well your ex- life experiences are not will not be enough for the most part um, when it comes to uh, education and other things actual practical experiences the street's going to teach you I think
1: more than any piece of paper ever will and you can't you can't make a mistake reading the book, um, but you can make a mistake on the fire ground that's not covered in the book. Uh, I'm just I'm so so fortunate in my career that I got both sides of this. Where where, um, yeah, you could read. I'm not trying to drop names, but you could read. This all has to do with doing uh, being the training coordinator for, for Fire Magazine. Johnny Salker would be doing his Get Out Alive program, right? He was the first person really to start that. So I, I could read his book, and I could watch him do it, you know, because I'd be walking around the hands-on training and and actually see what he was talking about. And the same thing, uh, you know, uh, with the uh, who uh, John Norman, same thing. He was he was a hands-on guy uh, back in the day, but you could you could read his stuff and then. Watch him doing it. Watch them teaching it on the fireground. Uh, you know. And the other thing is, is to watch how how, how people taught. Watch the teachers. I, I thought that was kind of important. And, and one of the one of the, the people who I, I thought was was a great teacher um, when he was a lieutenant. And you're probably going to know this name was was uh, uh, I actually uh, replaced him when he got promoted. Um, and, and and left the company. I, I took Dennis O'Neill's position in, in ladder five. Now Dennis O'Neill, I thought was a great teacher back then. And what did he become? He became the superintendent of the National Fire Academy, teaching people all over the country. So again, that's kind of like the type of mentor I had to to look at. And 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 what did I like about that? And and uh, you know, he was he was a great guy. He was a, a mentor of mine. Uh, still is. We still talk on the phone. Um, but you know what? He was, he was by the book. When 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 he was in the firehouse, it was by the book. Uh, there was no you didn't vary from it, and uh, that was something. I probably wish I took more from him to the firehouse. I wasn't by a book guy. I was uh, not to say I wanted to be everybody's friend, but uh, you know what? I thought the firehouse was. Uh, uh, you know how could I put it? It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, there weren't cameras watching you. It wasn't. It wasn't the assessment center, you know. You sit there with your your white shirt and your tie on, and and uh, the firehouse was just. It was a place where we needed to relax. I thought, you know. And and if, if the guy didn't have the work shirt on, then so be it. He had a T-shirt on, you know. And but once the bell went off, um, you know, then everybody had to be, um, you know, outfitted the way they were supposed to and act like they were supposed to, and there was no ifs ands or buts about that. But the firehouse to me was. Um, and to, to, to this day, it just, I made it relaxing. I, there was no tenseness in the firehouse. I didn't want, there was enough. There was enough on the job. You didn't have to worry about, oh, the chief coming down. I got my t-shirt on. The chief coming down it was supposed to be, you know, I just, uh, it wasn't like that. You know what? Yeah. yeah. I actually said to the captains, I'm a visitor here. You run the firehouse. I'm just visiting. You know, sure. call me when dinner's ready. Call me when breakfast is ready. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I. There were other guys out that I liked that were different. You know, you needed to be in uniform, you needed this, that. You know, but I wasn't like I mean, that.
0: I mean, I get I get the uniform thing. I, I do. And my thing for the longest time was like the department I work for, you're you're not supposed to wear shorts. We we don't do shorts, right? We, I hate shorts. I hate shorts. Yeah. We don't. Well, <laughs> You're going to love this then. But anyway, for the longest time, we don't do shorts. We, it's not in our policy. We, we don't wear them. So my thing was, I'm wearing my pants. It sucks. It's hot. I don't like it either. When I'm in my uniform, you're not wearing shorts. You go to bed, you, you want to wear them in the firehouse? I don't give a shit. Put your turnout pants on when you leave. We don't wear shorts in the field. That's just not what we do. Since then, we, our department has now adopted shorts, and you can wear them year-round. And they don't yeah. care. But that's, that's kind of, you know, joking with you about what you said. But anyway, the point that I'm making is, um, I had a few interactions where people would come in, they'd have them like, Hey man, you know, we we don't do shorts here. And they're like, well, it's hot out. We don't do short. We don't do shorts. I'm sorry, but that's not how this works. You know, all right, no big deal. So I had to sit down and talk with a firefighter one time. He pulled me aside and was just like, Hey, look, dude, it's a little very hot outside. Not supposed to wear shorts. What does it really matter, though? What does it affect? You're not going to a public event today. You're not going to go walk into the fire chief's office and say hi. You're not doing anything. We are literally going about our day on a Saturday, and it's 105 degrees with the heat index. What does shorts matter? He's like, don't you think there's something else you should probably be putting your effort into rather than shorts on a Saturday? We can train. We've already done our training. We're running calls. We're not slow. What does shorts do to affect our delivery and our ability to do our jobs? He goes, maybe there might be a different hill for you to die on. He goes, you know, now if you want to, he's like, now if it's Monday through Friday, or, you know, it's during the week and like two o'clock in the afternoon and somebody's got shorts on and they have their pants on in the fire truck or in the ambulance and then they throw their pants on real quick if they need to. He goes, it doesn't hurt anything. Because I think you're focusing on the focusing on the wrong thing. And I backed off on it. I, I thought I was. I thought that was great. Yeah. You know, yeah. like just like t-shirt. Like your shirt's untucked. I don't give a shit. If we go on a call or we do something where we're in the public eye, tuck your shirt in. But you're in the firehouse. You wear slides. You have your shirt t- untucked. Whatever. We're doing training. You're in shorts and your shirt's untucked. Whatever. Who cares? It doesn't affect anything. You, you know what I mean? And but that's the point that I'm making is. You know, picking and choosing the wrong battles too is a big thing as well. Yeah. Um but I want to change foot a little bit because we're getting ready to we're we're kinda of, we're getting close to that one hour mark. I want to change the conversation just conversation sure. just a little bit. Um do you remember your first fire you ever went on as a company officer? And how did it go?
1: As a company officer, I I thought you were gonna say the fire. I remember my first as a fireman. Do that like again. Every single freaking detail. If you don't, if you don't remember the, I was, well, I had a couple of uh, things, but let's but do no, I, uh, I, your first fire ever that you remember first, as firefighter. I'll give you the, the, the one as the captain. I get promoted to captain. Um, come out of, come out of. Uh, uh, they called a captain's camp. You went to school for thirty days, and it was just, it was a waste of time. It was all just sitting there, <laughs> some guy reading uh, uh, some NFPA course or whatever the hell it was. But anyway, um, so. I get, uh, get sent to Engine 22. I forget what group it's on. Uh, I think... uh I forget. It doesn't matter. So I got a 22 and, and tower out of four. Uh, uh, busy company. Busy. It, it is, uh, their logo was Fort Apache because so many people went there <laughs> and, and reported fires or reported stabbings or shootings. So they their At logo the was Ford. They'd run up to the firehouse and say it? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, so many people came to, to the firehouse with... Oh reporting a fire reporting oh, wow. a stabbing a shooting exactly. so they, they, oh yeah they, 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 it's on the it's on every every almost every fire truck in jersey city has their company logo on it and there's this fort apache so anyway yeah, so yeah. um so i'm on the engine and uh, there's a brand new captain so two new captains go to this house and, and these guys are all you know veterans and and uh you know veterans of the fire service so so uh it was the first First tour, I think, we, we get a call in the afternoon, like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, get a fire. I forget the street what, what, uh, that it was on, but it was close. Only two blocks from the fire. as We pull down. I can see the smoke. We pull up, two-and-a-half-story frame. This fire out, uh, one window on the, uh, uh, let me see, ABC, C, on the C side. <laughs> um, and uh, you know what? I didn't, the first fire, I get the report. The 22's on the scene, working fire, two-and-a-half-story frame, occupied. Hang up, that's it, jump off the rig, Um, get my uh, air pack on. Now, they had theirs on already. Uh, There wasn't any in the officer's seat yet, so I got to get mine on. And, you know, by then, the lines in the building, I got to sort of almost catch up. Um, You know, get into the living room, uh, fire in the kitchen, out a window. It was was going pretty good. It was was going pretty good. And uh, they just knocked the shit out of this. Oh, pardon me. They knocked the hell out of this thing. I mean, just... You know, and it was almost like I was along for the ride. But they had done this so many times. This was this was a routine fire. Um, you know, probably t- two lines got up into the ceiling a little bit, up to the second floor a little bit. But um, I was sort of along for the ride, and I came out of that, and you know, high five and everybody did a great job. You know, the truck got in, did searches. You know, and uh, you know, just knocked the hell out of it, and. I'm thinking the whole time when we get back to the firehouse, what do I say? <laughs> you know, did, did did I want them to wait for me until I got there to do my little uh, uh, you know size up and and uh, but you know what? Um, I got back and said, hey, this was great. I, I love working here. Hope I could stay here. I it's said, guys, yeah, yeah. I, You know, I, there, there were five things that I could have said I didn't like, but I I didn't. I just said all the things that I liked. I said, yeah, you guys would do quick thinking, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and, uh, the chauffeur said to me really quick, he he said to me, he goes, cap drop the tank. And I said, yeah, I mean, we, we had stopped. I didn't see a hydrant, but that, that was a norm in dirty city. To this day, you get into a fire, the first engine drops the tank and the second engine feeds you. That's just, uh, you know, if you could see the hydrant, like right there, you hook up to it. But otherwise we kill a lot of fires with 500 gallons of water. Believe me. Um, and yep. it, it's 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 one of my pet peeves. And when I was doing uh, engine operations, I'd bring that up all the time. But but anyway, uh, we get back to the firehouse, and it was all oh, you know, great job, you know. And uh, um, I just I just it, everything happened quickly, um, and you know what? It just it wasn't like I thought it was going to be. But I decided, you know what? I got to be better prepared because these guys, you know, um, know what they're doing now. If it was a bigger fire, I might have said, hey, hold on a second, because I like taking a quick look. Um, but, you know, it all worked out, and I just, I didn't have the heart to say, maybe I should have. Maybe I was, was being a bad officer, because I didn't say, you should have waited, you should have, da, 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 But you know what? We got along really well, and, and uh, I'd been out of there, um, and, and the guys would all came to me and said, you know, Cap, I wish you'd stay. And I said, well, you know, I don't I want to go. I went back to 20 Engine, where I was a fireman, on a different group, but I went to 20 Engine. When you got promoted in Jersey city, you, you had to change groups and battalions. You couldn't work with your friends anymore, but you could go back after a while. But um, I bit the 20 engine because uh, I liked the area. I knew the area really well, and uh, um, so I left there after after about <clears throat> I guess about eight or nine months. Um, but it was it was great. They, these guys were great. All all veterans. All all knew the area. You know, knew the people, knew the houses, and knew the job. They knew the job. Uh, Sure. So anyway, that's that, that was the first as an officer. It just happened like bing, bing, bing. My first fire was as a fireman was my first night tour in. Louis Schmidt was a captain, World War II vet. When I went on a job, he probably had 20, 20 plus on a job, maybe 25 on a, on a job. And uh, we got a fire in a in a vacant tavern called the Left Hand Tavern. I'll never forget that. I'm left handed. Nobody ever does anything for lefties. So it's a left hand tavern. And uh, uh, there was a three story brick occupied people coming down to fire escape partially occupied and we get into this left hand tavern and uh uh you know we had just gotten a brand new max cf so we had the jump seats and so no more back step so uh now mask up we are calling in and the guy guy had the line and the captain says give the kid the line so they gave me the knowledge of two and a half because it was a commercial building you know it was a bar and that was our policy so dragged this two and a half in, and it's like a ballroom going in. You could see the fire, and it was coming across the ceiling. The ceiling was like 15 feet, or 10 feet, whatever it was. And it's still, the fire's like over our heads past us. And, I, and I'm crawling, and I'm saying to him, now, now, you know, open the line. I'm like, I'm gonna open his line. The other two guys, are, you know, one guy's at the door humping holes, and the other guy's behind me. And, and Louis has got his hand on my shoulder, crawling in, crawling in. And it, it was a split-second moment where I said to myself, now I had some training with the volleys. Uh, you know, I went to some training school in the volleys. It, was, it, was under, it wasn't a firefighter one, but I went to some training, did uh, eight or nine weeks, uh, Journey City. I was a Weehawker fireman, did a little, you know, proby training with them. Yeah. So I had, I had a little bit of tra- And we're crawling into this place. Before we opened the line, I had a split second and said to myself, you know what? All the training you've had to this point, nothing that I did, and any of that training resembled this. Nothing resembled this fire. Nothing resembled anything at all. Nothing. It was like, I said. Oh. and finally Louis said, all right, open a line. And, you know, we had this smooth board nozzle and we knocked the crap out of it. And, you know, and a couple more lines come in and blah, 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 blah. But, but I'll never forget that, that's, that thought that I had. Nothing that I was taught in the last six months resembles this. Nothing at all. Nothing. So it was, it was a real eye opener, but I, I guess, you know, I think a lot of firemen go into the first fire and say the same thing. I didn't realize it was going to be like this.
0: Yeah. And you know, and that, and that ties into kind of what I was saying, what we were talking about earlier. I mean, experience is always going to be King yeah. always, you know? Yeah. And, and again, it t- is to bring this full circle. What we talked about was, you know, people don't write books about other books. They write them about experiences. And, and, and we talked about earlier a little bit earlier about, You know that's why having experience and time on as a firefighter is so incredibly important, especially when you go to make your transition to being a company level officer and a
1: leader. Yeah, I I think it's 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 got to be. Now I know New Jersey uh, gives some extra points for for seniority, but you know what? If I if I could change something, I would make experience or seniority on a job heavily, more heavily weighted. Than than the other things. Um, not that I'd want to stop some kid with four years on a job becoming an officer, but but you know what? I think exter- experience uh, and the testing procedures in New Jersey have to. I think they have to show more, or, or, or just weighted heavier for for an experienced person that you know has kind of been there and done that. I, I know people argue with me, that, you know, it no, doesn't I'm, matter. But, you know? I'm
0: on the same page with you because, I mean, there's always kind of that. I guess, look at it that I've, not look at it, the experience I've had that, you know, I think leadership and being a company officer can be just as much theater as it is um, reality. And what I mean by, and you have to have the competence to back that up. What I mean by that is there's been plenty of times where I've been in a few times that I've been in a situation and I had no idea what to do. I'm like, yeah. and I was and there's been a couple fires I've been on where we're in the middle of it and I'm scared shitless. Like I'm really fucking ner- freaking nervous. And I'm like, man. <sighs> but I don't say a word. I keep my demeanor and I'm like, hey LT, uh, we can't find it. And I'm like, all right, flow water. We're gonna find it. It's it's I know it's here. This is why, like, obviously this isn't like the conversation I'm having with them. I'm just saying, flow, open the line, flow the water. It's only going to help us. So then in my mind, I'm like, all right, why is this not working? You know, and then you have like a little skin exposed. You're kind of like, you know what I mean? Like moving that skin around. All oh, right, well, it's a lot hotter over here than it was over there. So it's got to be this way. And then I had the ability to, or the, I had the luck of having good firemen with me. Hey, LT, I found it. Or, hey, you know, this is a split level home we're on the lowest level and it's super hot down here and there's smoke at our feet. It's, it's gotta be down here. It can't be above us, right? It, it's right here. This is why. And bam, we find it, you know, or there's been a couple of times where not even a fire, just navigating with people, navigating with citizens in the field that we deal with where yeah. I'm scared, nervous, like what the fuck, you know, what the hell do I say now? Stone face because that to me, that is important. You, you know what I mean? It's just, it's the same thing, really. You have to have the ability, even when you're, you don't know what to do, you muster it up. And what I get, the point that I'm making too, is you, you muster up, don't let them cha- see that you're, you know, you're rattled or scared or whatever it is. And in your mind, you resort back to, well, this is what I probably, this is my basics. These are my basics. I knew as a firefighter, I learned this. I know, and you may not have that discussion in your head, but you know, Thermodynamics says the fire is on the second floor, not the basement. It just doesn't, it has to be there. Smoke, you know, clear floor conditions on the first floor. And there's obvious smoke from the second floor. It's obviously a second floor fire. It's not the basement or not fucking with the basement. Like, you know, what I mean? 360, you get the full picture, all that. That's that's what I mean by it. I got a little off off topic and kind of lost my train of thought on that one. But you understand what I'm getting. Yeah, at. Yeah, 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 So you know, you you muster up the ability to ha- like have nobody under- nobody realize you're a little nervous because you have the experience to fall back on. You know, you know what I mean. You can kind of fall back to your fireman days or some things that I've had where I wasn't sure how to handle a situation, but I remember an officer in a similar spot doing X, Y, and Z that I observed, and I well I know. Dave, the lieutenant, tried this. Let me try what Dave just did. And it worked out great. Um, Or it doesn't work out great. And you fall flat on your face. You look and feel like an idiot. You just kind (laughs) of pick yourself up and you move on. You just keep it moving and and you
1: don't look back or dwell on it. If you haven't landed on your face a couple of times, you haven't really learned everything yet. Then
0: (laughs) I haven't really tried a whole lot either. Because I got to tell you, there's been a few times where I've stuck my neck out and I look like the biggest idiot in the world. And I stuck my neck out because I thought it was the right thing to do. Yeah. And what I learned was people appreciate that more than if you were to be too conservative or scared to make a decision. Yeah. And I'm yeah. not saying and I'm not saying be negligent. I'm not saying do stupid things, but I've learned, you know, hey, I pushed the envelope. I thought it was the right thing to do, might have been a little too much, but the guys that I work with, you know, I think they respect those kind of things because you're doing it for the right reasons. You're not doing it to be a hot dog or an idiot. It was, you know, what was going to work. Um, so we're hitting, we're a little bit over that one hour Mark. Um, Uh, I I think this is a good place to kind of wrap it up. Uh, real quick, before we go, you mentioned a joke about (laughs) pipers and drummers in the bagpipe band. You said you were in the
1: you're in the pipe band, uh, bagpipe band. Um, yeah, played in the Hudson County Pipe Band for a, n- a number of years, and uh, Jersey City has their own now. But uh, I learned pretty quickly being a piper. I got, got probably twenty, twenty-five years, and learned very quickly at the beginning, um, a saying that the pipers had, and and we, you know, the pipe major come through and say, "Hey, what do you think about think about the drummers?" And you had to know the answer, and the answer would be don't need no damn drummers
0: yeah <laughs> no, that's 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 pretty good the the, the, run, the running the running joke that we kind of have and it's a drummer thing not the Pipers, I think yeah. disagree and they don't like it but, well maybe they, they don't dislike it it's all fun but it, the common joke is you know so Pipers always show up an hour before the job so like if it's a one <laughs> o'clock job they show up at 12 they tune up do all that and the common joke was always you know I so I play the bass drum so the you know what a bass drum Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a bass drummer. I, I don't really have to be there until like 20 minutes before to know what's going on. I don't like doing that because I don't want things to change, and you know. But it, but anyway, the common joke is up, oh, just waiting on the pipers again to tune up their pipes. You know, that was kind of <laughs> that was always kind of the kind of the running joke, and they'll kind of come back and be like, uh, you know, one report time is for one is one o'clock, and you know, drummers, you need to get there by at least you know, one thirty. Joking that you know we're always you know takes a long
1: time to get those pipes going you know it's uh... <laughs> yeah no I mean it's
0: I don't I don't know how to play the bagpipes I don't know if I'll ever try Um I started out as a tenor drummer jazz yeah. yeah, hands little flips stick flips and then I start uh, I got into the bass I was thinking about trying to venture over to the snares and try it out but I, I don't know I probably won't end up doing it but um, <laughs> I think I'm gonna take the bag I'm gonna work on playing the bagpipes and trying that out uh probably when i retire so who knows when that'll be but, I, you uh, know
1: what i never played an instrument in my my life i couldn't read music and i just went up to i've at a funeral actually it was in uh in hackensack new jersey I was at a funeral uh, for for a couple of guys that got killed and and they were, you know they, they, it always was emotional for me and yeah when it was over you know we went back for uh, have a couple of beers and pipe major walked in and uh, named Jimmy Woods, and I just tapped him on the shoulder. I said, Jimmy, I said, uh, how hard is it to play that? And he said, you're interested? I said, yeah. He said, well, come to practice. Um, it, was, it was in Harrison, New Jersey at the time, so I went, I went, went to practice one night. He handed me a practice chanter, about the, you know, the black thing about this long, that your fingers went on, and he, and he gave me a, a tape. I think it was a cassette tape. It was so long ago. And, uh, and a book. Yeah. And he said, go home. He goes, come back in a week. So I went home and I put the tape in and I listened to it and, you know, just did, did a little bit, a little bit. I came back in a week and he said, you're in. I said, what do you mean? He said, most people, when I send them home with that, they don't come back. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> he funny. said, but you you, you stuck yeah. with it. And then I, then I started taking lessons from him and, uh, you know, and took about eight months, 10 months. And I think I played my first parade in uh, Belmar, the Belmar uh, St. Patrick's Day parade. Mm-hmm. And I uh, was fun. I, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of glad though that uh, I, I got out of it after a while with the band. I still play, but I got out of it with the band because uh, um, it was, you know, the early days, and I uh, you was know, married a few years, and and Jersey City gave us a bus with a driver, and we'd do like two or three parades. We Hudson County, we we'd go here and and every but the the, the uh, they named the bus. They called it the drunk bus.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: God! Oh, when you do two or three. St. Patrick's Day parades in one day.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. No, uh, dude. We So we get a charter bus and we kind of go <laughs> all over uh, the Baltimore. Like we played the Guinness, uh, the Guinness factory in uh, Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Columbia, like that whole um, Howard County kind of area in, in Maryland, if you're familiar with it. Yeah, that. we went all
1: over the state. It was kind of, it was kind of fun. It was, it was, what, what? it was fun. Yeah. We were all firemen and all, uh, and oh. I was firemen and cops at the yeah. time. Uh, it was Hudson County pipes and drums, police on fire. And then, mm-hmm. then it went to all fire. And I still play in my backyard a little bit. And, uh, and I belong to the FDNY retirement association, Phoenix division. Um, they let me join and, uh, I played a couple of funerals and whatnot, but, uh, I just do it now in my backyard. It just kind of relaxes me, and, and uh, no, it's, anyway, it's,
0: anyway, that's uh, it's fun stuff, and it's tradition, and and the whole history of kind of, you know, the bagpipes and the fire service, and how that kind of got started, and how you know the four leaf clover is a huge thing with the fire service, and it all <laughs> kind of goes the whole Irish heritage of the fire service. It's it's wild. It's 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 a yeah. lot of fun, and I'm not an I, I'm not I am not Irish, um, but you know, being able to have that connection and do those things that relates to work and like the job or whatever is a lot of fun. And, 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 you know, I feel like people need to do that and have those things in their lives to be balanced.
1: Yeah. That's, you know, for the fire, that's cool. For me, it was, it was called all in, like I get into everything fire service related, whatever it was. Yeah. I, no, get, into, I get into it all. Yeah.
0: yeah. I'm the same way. And the, 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 you know, it's, having the extracurricular stuff and, and, you know, just in general, and this is something that I hope the listeners can take away if they're they're still around, um, (laughs) is, you know, it's very rewarding to be able to be a part of those things. And when you do them, you're proud of them. And now, so my son now is seven and I get to share a lot of these things with him. He loves the bagpipes. He loves that. I work for the fire department, like, you know he's telling people all the time or <laughs> yeah. he wants to go yeah. outside and play fireman and has this like this our neighbor has this little girl they go to the firehouse and play games and all the it's our garage and so like he has like an old helmet that i had and he'll run around with it yeah. Uh, it's, my it's, kids it's, it's, yeah yeah it's cool it's it's a it's a lot of fun so um chief i appreciate you thank you for coming out thank you for your time oh, thank
1: Still. you for having me This has been it's been fun and uh um yeah i i enjoyed it uh i just hope i didn't babble on too much but uh no no
0: no no, you're, you're, no, no you were good don't go anywhere real quick while i close yeah. this out um also real quick actually before we before i i wrap this up real quick where can people get a hold of you do you have social media email or you know what's the best way to get a hold of you if they had any questions or wanted to follow up with anything today
1: i'm on uh instagram um um my my email address is rescueboss at hotmail.com and it's spelled R-E-S-Q B-O-S-S at hotmail.com. Um I'm not on Facebook, never have been, uh, just never, you know, for whatever reason. Um so Instagram, if you just throw my name into Instagram, I have uh uh yeah, like 120 posts and different things. And uh yeah, if you've got any questions, comments, I still Still do a couple seminars occasionally. Um, if you have a fundraiser and it's close by, I do fundraisers for free. All right. Just one in Massachusetts. And uh, um, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. I'm not a big social media guy. So uh, right. Instagram and Rescue Boss at Hotmail.com. All right. That sounds great. We'll add the links to the description in the episode below.
0: Chief, don't go anywhere. I'm going to close this out. Sure guys thanks again for returning to the tip of the spear leadership i can't thank you all enough um more episodes coming in the future in the next couple weeks um the show's growing every day and none of that would be possible without you. so um please check out the episode description if you'd like to get a hold of uh chief butch Cobb, and uh look forward to seeing you guys come back again please like share Tell your friends about the show, and we will see you.